there. You've been transported into space this week, and this is the... I'm the man nerd. And I'm Skystar. How you doing? I think they're doing great now that we're, you know, talking to them about movies. Yeah, yeah. It's always good to talk about movies. Definitely. So this week, well, you did last week. So this week we are doing Star Trek, the 2009 version. Not the original series, not the original first movie. We are doing 2009 with Christopher Pine, Zachary Quinto, and who Who else? Who else? My favorite character in that? Only he's, he's there for like 10 minutes. Uh, you mean the one? Chris. Do, do, Chris Hemsworth. That's it. Wait, Hemsworth is in it? Chris Hemsworth is Kirk's dad in the in the beginning, man. I oh, I yeah. missed that. Oh gosh, oh, I, I love that. I missed that. Oh yeah, Mr. Chris Hemsworth. I love me some Thor, man. All right, so let's let's do this, man. Go for it. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna kick it off with a little spoiler-free um, synopsis for you. All right, I'll I'll do half. You do half. We'll we'll split it up this time. <laughs> All right, 2009 Star Trek. In my opinion, it was a fun movie. If you're a fan of Star Trek, it's one of those things where it's really not going to meet your expectations. But if you're a fan of fun space movies, you're going to love it. Of course, has the original characters, but in a twist for a reason, because this is not supposed to be the original, you know, canon. This is supposed to be kind of something new. It was a little bit cheesy in the way that they presented all the characters, but, you know, that's what everybody wanted. They wanted to see the characters. Yeah. And that's where I'm ending. You can continue. Yeah. No, it's it's a good movie. And and on what you said, it uh one thing you should know, this movie, uh the director, the people that wrote it, they they straight up said this is never meant to be like a reboot of Star Trek or anything like that. This is their own thing. They took Star Trek and they did their own thing with it. And it's so much better because they did that. They didn't try to recreate Star Trek. Yeah, I do agree with you on that. If they tried to just reboot it, it wouldn't have worked yeah at Definitely like at work. all don't get me wrong it's it's not like it's not the greatest film in the universe but the fact that they didn't try to recreate star trek did them a lot of good it's a fun sci-fi romp through space with all the classic star trek names and faces that you know and love just a unique story though like again they did their own thing um you've got james kirk you've got Bones, you've got Spock. You actually have two Spocks, which is like one of the greatest things ever. We'll get into that later. Yeah. <laughs> you got Captain Pike. Yep, Captain. P you've got Sulu. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh, and of course, one one of one of my favorite characters as well, Scotty, oh. played by uh, Simon Pegg. Yeah. <laughs> so jumping right in, how did how did you feel about like that opener to the movie? Because like that's always a big thing with Star Trek. Every Star Trek has their opener. The first time I watched it, I was really pulled in right off the bat because you see this starship. Of course, it's not the Enterprise yet. And then it's kind of uh, you, you get into the uh, the bridge and it's kind of darker than normal, not as bright as all the other Star Trek. So it kind of gives you that that kind of darkish feeling like, oh, this is this is getting to something. And then they're checking out this anomaly and then it just gets crazy as this ship comes out of this this portal, this anomaly, and then starts firing on them and they're just so outmatched. And then they just, yeah, it, it's just- It's crazy. Oh, that, that drew me in. The anomaly is a black hole because they're, they're playing real fast and loose yes. with the science in this one. Oh yeah, they are. Yep. <laughs> 
Yeah, and you don't know what's going on. And then you kind of get the notion of the of the time travel aspect when the captain of the the big ship, Captain Nero, he talks to the captain of the Federation starship that came on board and they ask, you know, what star date is it? And they're kind of like, "Oh, okay. What are they doing here?" And they're asking about Spock. I like, yeah. No any Spock. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Kind of throws you off right off the bat. Yeah, it lets them kind of hide the big reveal of the double Spock later in the movie. Leonard Nimoy just never disappoints on that. Oh, yeah. I really liked that they did such a good job with hiding some of those reveals. Like, sure, we may have already kind of guessed them, but like they didn't just they, they at least made an attempt to hide their reveals. Some movies just kind of like, no, we're just not going to try. Yeah, they did kind of force bringing Leonard Nimoy into the story, though. Like, not not the fact about the time travel yeah. and everything. I'm talking about how he came into contact with Kirk later on. I really felt like that was just pushing it yeah. the way that they did they, that. They definitely could have drew that out a little more. I, mm -hmm. I would have maybe liked to see him come in just a touch earlier than he did. And if, like, maybe a little more naturally. You're right, it did feel a bit forced. Yeah, and even Kirk being on that planet, it was it was just like why and i kind of understand their their mindset on that but it was just like what the heck we should get to that later once we know the big part of why kirk was there and why he was sent there by spock and all that yeah yeah oh let's go straight into kirk james t kirk because he of course is the main character and it shows him right off the bat as a kid a troublemaker and then shows him growing up after that and then getting into starfleet they kind of fast track that whole thing what was your opinion of the scene with him stealing his stepdad's car, the antique car, and then driving it off a cliff? I, weirdly enough, I know, I know people are going to disagree with me. I like that. So Kirk in the original Star Trek, and yes, I'm doing a comparison, even though I shouldn't, was always kind of the wild card captain. He was always the guy who's like, I'm fine with the rules right up until they stop me from doing my job, which which got him in trouble a lot. And and seeing him be that wild child as even a little kid, like stealing his dad's car, kind of plays to that characterization of the person and the captain he's eventually going to become. And it's, it's also really typical of that sort of characterization back in the early 2000s. Yeah, I think the way that they did that when he was driving the car, the, the kid was pretty good at that because he was like excited and then jumpy and scared and excited again and just going with it. Kind of like he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just doing it and just going with it. And it's escalating and escalating. And then he tried it, tried to try to shrug it off at the end. Like, is there a problem, officer? And I think that whole aspect of it, I think that compares, like you said, like the captain he becomes. Yeah. Like he's not that carefree later on. And one thing that they they did that they didn't have to do, but they did to compare how he used to be to how who he was becoming to be a captain was when they had that uh the three-man crew jumping off the shuttle to go oh. down and take out that uh drill yeah and that one guy i forget his name but the third guy that was with him in soto he was just overboard i think they were trying to act like you know trying to show you the difference between kirk 
and what he could have been like go too far and then get yourself killed right but you know at the same since we're talking side by side comparisons because you mentioned like kirk is the main character but really he's he's one of two main characters for this movie the other yeah that's correct the other being spock played by zachary quinto and they did they did sort of a side by side uh watching these characters grow up like you see you see spock you see kirk and you see like their early life then you kind of see you know how they get into the academy how they move to like gaining their own ship and like eventually them coming to a head over kirk's uh, captain test for the kobayashi maru which we'll get to in just a minute mm-hmm. but really i want to focus on spock here because like his growing up was almost exactly opposite of kirk whereas kirk was untamed and wild Spock was like everything about his life was structured all of it uh, his education yeah even even where he was going to go after uh, Vulcan and his his education on Vulcan was predetermined and that's where you see him deviate from that structure as well yeah and that's all because he's half human and of course you know he's trying to balance emotion with logic which is hard for him because he's not full-blood Vulcan and Thinking about that, like Spock's character, I think you're right, the side-by-side on them, they did develop differently. And I think, yeah, Kirk, he ended up developing more patience and less jump in, but still with that reckless abandonment that he's known for. And then Spock, he had to, you know, come to terms with his emotion, emotions a lot sooner than the character normally would have because he, lost his planet yeah so i think that that's the big thing they're they're just pushing them to become the their true selves really quickly in this movie yeah and again you're right you see them rub off on each other because like even you you see spock gain at least for a vulcan a more cavalier attitude sure he's still got that logic but he's he becomes quickly fine with bending the rules to to suit whatever the mission needs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, let's go back to that Kobayashi Maru because I like that test in Starfleet. That was cool. That yeah, that's a big Especially Kirk's. Yeah. That's a well, that's a big <laughs> moment for both uh James Kirk and Spock. It's it's a defining moment for both of those characters. And that's part of why I really like it. And I, I feel like the movie did that moment justice. Uh, describe it a little bit for everybody, just in case, yeah. you know. So in case you're not familiar with Star Trek lore, the Kobayashi Maru in Star Trek is supposed to be a a simulated uh, scenario for a captain of a starship, and it's supposed to be unwinnable. You're not supposed to be able to win it. Uh, and this is this to help teach captains that sometimes, no matter what you do, you're just going to lose. And you need to be able to accept that and do your job anyway. That's what it's supposed to do. And it was designed, uh, at least in this movie, by Spock. He he created the Kobayashi Maru. He designed the entire scenario. And then in comes James Tiberius Kirk. And um, in the movie, he's already failed. Ruins it all. Yeah, he's already <laughs> failed it once. Yep. He's already failed it once. And he's like... Okay. I think twice, actually. I think that was his third time. You're no, you're right. It was his third time. And, uh, so he, uh, he finds a way around the rules of the game. It, it's unclear whether like he straight up cheated, like it was, it was a straight cheat or if he just found a glitch or like a, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A loophole like, or something, a yeah. A loophole. Like, they make it really foggy exactly what it is he did. But whatever it was, he essentially beat the unbeatable uh, scenario, which did not go over well. Yeah, and he was so cavalier about it, eating an apple the whole time. Yeah, because that is that is the... That is the universal trope for this character's an asshole. Yep. <laughs> and that kind of shows you his whole mindset on the whole movie. Like, he's not going to give up. He's going to find a way no matter what. He doesn't care if it seems unwinnable. He's going to win it. And that's exactly what he did. It also shows his biggest flaw because yep. there's a right way to have done it. And he didn't do that. And that that's what got him in so much trouble. He's... He was too willing to break the rules. Sometimes, yes, it is necessary to bend or twist the rules to your advantage to win a scenario. But Kurt jumped straight to that solution. He didn't he didn't even consider other possibilities. Yeah, and I think just, you know, I'm not going to talk about the other movies, but but jumping into like the general aspect of his character in all three of the movies that came, the two others after he continued to do that. It, it's like he was he was Kirk, but he was a really, really young Kirk that was put in, you know, command way too early. You definitely get that from this character from the, these three movies. Yeah, which makes sense because he was supposed to train for command. Like you see that. Oh, yeah. And then take over for Pike after he died, which he ends up not dying in this movie. But then then. Yeah, but we're getting we're getting off topic yeah. here. <laughs> moving moving forward with it, you then like have this big emergency on Vulcan that shows up, and now everyone has to go board the ships, which Kurt can't get on because he's currently being court-martialed. And um, enter a personal favorite, Bones. I love Bones. It's a character played by Carl Urban, who I'm also a big fan of just because... Oh, yeah. He's awesome. Carl, if you've ever seen The Boys or Thor the Thor Ragnarok, that's like you've seen Carl Urban. He's he's one of those actors that just kind of pops up everywhere. He's never he, he does. Yeah. <laughs> he's rarely the main character, but he always just sort of he's just there. He was in Lord of the Rings. Oh man. Who was he in Lord of the Rings? Uh I forget exactly what character off the top of my head. Okay. I gotta look it up here. All right, we're doing this. Damn it, this might take a while. All right, keep talking. I'll find it. <laughs> and anyway, Bones gets Kirk onto the ship, and they go to Vulcan, and that's where everything goes wrong in the movie. It's also where the movie itself, I feel like, starts to lose me a bit, because you lose a bit of the flow, because there's a lot of exposition and a lot of stuff that happens at once. And I don't feel like it was very well pieced together at that time. I do agree with you with that. Yeah, it, it didn't feel like it flowed very well there. Yeah, so that's that's where the movie really started to lose me a bit. Because like it felt like the flow of the movie got interrupted in that moment. Now, what was your what was your like favorite scene visually in that movie? Visually? That's oh, a bit of a tough call, but I, I would have to say probably the reveal of the Enterprise. The first time you get that first shot of the Enterprise. Though admittedly, that's probably a lot to do with the fact that I'm a huge Star Trek nerd. 
and I, I love a good shot of the Enterprise, but they did the ship really well. Right. Like, I love how they designed the ship and made it look. It, it's clear they, they put a lot of work into making the Enterprise look like a possibly real ship. Yeah, that the visuals in that movie were just fantastic. Well, it's J.J. Abrams. He he loves him some lens yeah. flares. Too many lens flares. That I really had to get used to that because I hadn't watched it in a while. I haven't watched it J.J. Abrams in a while. Yeah. So putting that on, like, I was like, holy crap, why is it glaring? Oh, okay, got it. I forgot. <laughs> it, it's Aomir, by the way, the character I was trying to think of that yeah. Carl Urban plays in Lord of the Rings. Just, just tossing that in there. Yeah, so apparently he is the leader of the Riders of Rohan. So there's that. <laughs> Fighting against Mordor. Yeah, I'd never even connected that. But Carl Orban is the man. I like that guy. And he's such an ass in The Boys, too. It's yeah. great. So moving on to the to the best scene visually, I got to go with the what everybody probably goes with when they come out of warp right at Vulcan and all the ships are destroyed and they got to, you know, dodge every single one of them. Yeah. I think that was, that was my scene just because like when I first saw it, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting the ships to already be blown up. I was expecting a fight. Yeah. No. To be happening. And then bam, no, the fight's done. There was no fight. And, and what's crazy too is like the ship they're fighting is, is a mining vessel. It is, it is a mining vessel from like a, a century and a half ahead of where the movie takes place. It's part of that time travel thing. So those must be really weak weapons if it's a mining vessel. Right? For, for their time. But for going in the past, they're super powerful. Yeah, which, which it's also clear that obviously um, that by the time you get to that point, that mining vessel has been in universe in in this timeline for like 25 years uh, they've clearly done some like thrown some extra guns or something on there otherwise it's ridiculous that a mining vessel beats like half a fleet of you know military vessels yeah that is that is right there was a lot of ships that came out there but also they were super powerful right off the bat when they destroyed the ship with uh, Kirk's father on it. Yeah. And of course, it was only one ship. That's predominantly because they figured out a way to weaponize the uh, like the mining laser, which is insane, but kind of makes sense. That laser would have to be incredibly powerful to do what it does, which is like burn a hole through a planet. Yes, but that's what they do, man. They're mining, so they could just burn through a planet. Or a starship. Or a starship, totally. Oh man, yeah. Why didn't the why doesn't the Federation use a big old laser just to burn through the ship, just cut it in twain? You know, that's actually a question they answer in a second movie. In the second movie, which we'll we'll do at some later date, I'm sure. But yeah, no, it's it's a whole thing with Federation policy and how they're a military, but they're not really a military. They're a military. They're keeping the peace, but by numbers yeah well really really the whole point of the federation is is to get like a bunch of species and a bunch of planets to work together and humans kind of sit yeah. at the center of that acting as as the ones holding like the whole the, the center bit together so that everyone else can be on board that that's the way it's presented yeah and you, and you get more of that from the from the show enterprise yeah the first enterprise 
Yeah, not, not the original series, even before that. The first Enterprise that came from Earth. So you get that whole story on how the Federation actually became a Federation. So that's kind of cool. But that's a whole new episode right there. Yeah, that's... We can go into that's a whole these thing. shows so in-depth. <laughs> yeah, that, that might be if we decide to do a longer one of these and just talk about like a TV show. Maybe then, because that's... Oof, that's a deep dive. That is so deep. Uh, now, let's let's talk about the weirdest moments in the movie. Oh, the weirdest moments in the movie. For me, that's going to be some of the science they're playing real fast and loose with. And, and I mean, like, real, real loose. Like, red matter? What the frick is... Red matter is not a thing. <laughs> yeah, and why do they have so much of it if they only use a speck of it? And wouldn't that destroy a whole galaxy if it like a little drop of yeah, it took yeah. out a star? Like, it, like, and then they blew up the whole thing. Wouldn't that take well, out the entire it's, galaxy? It's, it's not just that. You see him use a drop, a, a tiny like water droplet sized amount to take out a star that is currently going supernova. Like it's not in the process. It is. It is actually exploding. And you see this drop suck this star, which is already exploding back down into a tiny black hole the thing he drew that drop from is like massive it's it's huge it's the size of a very small bathroom probably yeah like he it's it's <laughs> like the size of the orb he pulls that drop from is several feet across and it's like holy crap why are you just flying around with that why wouldn't you just have just several drops in files yeah. ready to go not just a giant thing it's it's the it's the equivalent like with the ship he's in is is tiny and like this this orb takes up like at least a good chunk of the interior of the ship and, and like the modern equivalent is like me driving around in a white panel van with a suitcase sized nuclear bomb in the back just set on a random timer. I don't know when or if it's going to go off. I don't even know if it's turned on. I just have a nuclear bomb in the back of my vehicle. Fully armed and active. Yep. Like it's fully armed and active. It could go off at any time. And all you need to do is use a stick of dynamite. You don't even need the nuclear bomb. Right? Right? <laughs> like yeah. my needs are a stick of dynamite and I have a nuclear device in the back of my van. That's the equivalent we're talking about here. It's insane. And if that created a black hole, which created a, you know, a vortex to another time, wouldn't it, you know, be reasonable to say that the explosion from the supernova just went to another time period, at least some of it? Yeah, I mean, it had to go. So they're just destroying another timeline? Yeah, because because they already established that black holes are basically wormholes to different like temporal dimensions so if you use a black hole to stop an explosion you're just sending that explosion somewhere else like to someone else's dimension it's still somebody's problem to deal with maybe that'll be the quentin tarantino version <laughs> where it gets it gets sent into that dimension jj abrams just screwed up that whole dimension or or and it's all dark or it could be <laughs> that um, i mean you've got spock just flying around chucking this stuff out it could be every time in a movie you see a random explosion that has no explanation, that's what it is. Spock. Split across the multiverse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why did that just blow up? I don't know. 
Damn it, Spock. <laughs> the 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 problem oh. the problem is is if you know even like a little bit about actual science, this a lot of this movie starts like taking some hits really fast. Well, the whole genre, they just make stuff up just to make it work. Like warp drive? Yeah. Come on. Well, like, okay, so part of what made the original Star Trek good is like they had actual science advisors. And while the stuff they talked like they have is maybe complete sci-fi now, there was at least some like some actual scientists who were like, we can't do this, but maybe a hundred to a hundred years from now we could do something similar to this or something like this. This movie just abandoned that. Oh yeah, and just thrown in the transwarp theory and all that, which they've had in Star Trek before, but they just really just accelerated that, yeah. didn't they? They 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 went a little a wall with this. Yeah, and I I think in in this whole movie with all the characters, you were expecting all these characters. That's what they wanted. They wanted you know the reveal of all these characters, and it was kind of it was definitely forced. I personally think it might have been a better movie if they literally just did their own thing on it. You never know. It could have been good. It could have been bad. But if they just took the characters, played them extremely loose, and just made that event in the beginning change everything and not make them become who they're meant to be, they become different because of that, because it's a new timeline. Yeah. I think that might have been a little bit better. They could have done a bit more to uh, to really set themselves apart. I don't know. Maybe maybe it would have been nice to see like just some brand new characters, and just just a different thing entirely. Yeah, it, it might have been cool. Yeah, just a even a different ship, just for the heck of it. They just went on a completely different direction, like a new show would. Yeah. Like yeah, but you know they wanted to play off the nostalgia, which they did, and it, it was still a fun movie, so it worked. It definitely worked. This is the end of the show, man. We're at the end. So let's uh, let's talk some dice. What are you thinking on dice on this one? Oh, this is a hard call. I'm torn. Uh, personally, as much as I like this movie, I would have to... I feel like a D8. Yeah, a D8. Yeah, I gotta agree with you. I've been going back and forth with a D8 or D10. It's a good movie, but it has some very clear-cut areas where it could have it could have improved. Yeah. And you know, that that's one of those things because I really like how Christopher Pine was was Kirk. And I actually like Zachary Quinto as Spock. I know a lot of people didn't, but I think he did a really good job as Spock. I, li I liked him a lot. And then, of course, Simon Pegg. Who doesn't love him? Yeah, it just could have been so much better with all the, all the talent they had there. Yeah, and then you had Carl Urban as Bones. That's always... Like, he's always a oh, joy yeah, to watch. Awesome. And, you know, Simon Pegg you is... You don't even have to say it with him. Simon Pegg is Scotty. Antov Yelvin as, as Chekhov. Uh, I love Chekhov. I'm sorry. Like, he's such a... Like, I realize he doesn't have a huge part in the movie. He's, he's kind of a secondary character. But, like... He was pretty important, though, in that movie. Like, they wouldn't have survived without him. That was awesome. Even the little bit of screen time they give Chekhov was very enjoyable. So yeah, I it it's a solid D8 for me. I was kind of leaning towards D8 to D10, but I always kept going back to a D8, so definitely a D8 for me. It's very fun to watch, and I did watch it twice this time. Like the first time I was pulled back in because it had been years since I watched it. 
But then the second time, I was kind of like, eh, you know, my mind was wandering, that sort of thing. So the, the replayability on that movie is really not there. But if you wait long enough, then it's still fun to watch again. Yeah, it's one that you can like maybe pick up once a year, once every couple of years. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, Star Trek Universe, we'll get back into this later, and we'll probably go back into one of the earlier movies, not the reboot, probably one of the uh, original Star Trek movies, or maybe even The Next Generation, because there's one that is definitely my favorite. But uh, until then, let's just keep on rolling on these movies. All right, well, you guys keep it cool. We'll see you next time. Ta-ta. There it is. I'm not going to do that.